Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. When my friend and colleague and co-host on my dog training show, Good Dogs, Carol Borden, told me the incredible news that she had created her very own vet clinic for the amazing service dogs, the guardian angels, medical service dogs that she breeds and raises and trains and then looks after throughout their lives if people live nearby. I was really excited to meet the vet who is running it, Dr. Charlotte Rogers, and her right-hand woman, Hannah, I hope I'm saying that right, Dukes, who's the national veterinary director. Ladies, it is really exciting that you're the first service dog organization to have your very own medical facility. I hope that that everybody realizes what an incredible accomplishment this is, that Carol has pulled it off, but also that these many, many dogs that come through your hands have a level of care that I don't think any other service dog group or individual could ever hope for. It's quite amazing. I mean, if, if a dog isn't feeling well one morning, does one of you say, now what's wrong, honey? And do you go look into it? I mean, are you just constantly breathing down their necks to make sure they're happy and well? Yeah, exactly. We, um, it is very, it is definitely a unique um, opportunity here um, that we have. And it's very, very beneficial to the dogs having an on-site vet um, and a great veterinary team with myself and Hannah. And then um, also we have another technician, Mara, too. So, you know, generally, um, if, you know, at a medical service dog place, if the dogs are sick or um, anything were to happen, you have to call your local veterinarian or, you know, find an appointment somewhere. And so with us actually being here on site, they are able to directly walk them over to our clinic where we can be hands-on. And at any point in time, each day of, of the week, one of the three of us, one of our veterinary staff is here. Um, and we're always in constant contact. So um, so yeah, that that's great for our dogs here. And, and that's what we do and in addition to 
all the other uh, regularly planned things. Um, if there's a dog that just comes sick or has diarrhea or decides to not eat today or, or something, we always have our eyes and ears on them. Luckier than most of us with our own dogs where we either aren't paying close attention or we are and we can't get an appointment right away or we think, oh, it can't be that bad. And then we suddenly realize it's six o'clock at night. I think it's worse. It's just <laughs> nice to know that dogs that have such an important job and role in society get that level of care from the from right from the beginning. What about the pregnant moms? Is that a big uh, responsibility for you? I know, Dr. Rogers, that Previously, you worked with ruminants, farms, large animals. So you coming down to the dog size must be kind of a relief to not have to, I don't know, be putting your hand inside a cow. Isn't it, isn't it much nicer or do you miss the cows? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what? It's, um, I, I did also do some, I've done mixed animal practice for many years and, um, you know, Putting your arm inside a cat, exactly uh, what you say, that uh, that's how we, we deal with our, our pregnant cattle, pregnant ruminants, um, obviously not an arm inside of goats, but we have specialized uh, ultrasound equipment and stuff like that. So, so yes, it is a different, a very different uh, aspect dealing with dog uh, reproduction as opposed to large animal reproduction. However, I have such a wonderful team, thankfully, Hana has been here for over four years now, so she has uh, single-handedly been able to manage the entire reproduction aspect of this. And thankfully, with the good breeding that Carol has done, um, you know, with all of the intense uh, genetic uh, screening tests and puppies, uh, looking at that, we, they haven't had a lot of problems and. So Hannah's been able to be in charge of, of that uh, in the past and not had a, too many complications, knock on wood. And, but uh, then in the future, if there are any, that, that's what I'll be here for. So my arms won't be up cows that <laughs> as much as they used to be. So it's, my, it's, my jackets that have the sleeve cut out of will yes. be um, hung up for a while. Nice. But it's it's funny because you're originally Scottish, and we all sort of think of, of the great, uh, you know, the 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 farm vet. I, now I'm suddenly blanking on the most beloved book series and TV series about the yeah, British. It's, um, it's James Harriet. Yes, and I, my 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 father, my uh, father's family is from Scotland. My mother's family is from Ireland. I grew up and was raised in England, but. Actually, it, it does sound very cheesy, but James Harriet was one of my biggest uh, influences. I read his books when I was when I was younger, and I just loved that aspect of the fact that he treats all animals, uh, large or small. And but it, he did a great TV series in the 1970s, yes. which is very outdated now, but it, it's still entertaining to watch. But People love it. I think I think vets love it particularly. I thought it was sort of corny and seemed dated, but a friend of mine who has a who who owns City Pets, which is a house call vet service in New York City, a far cry from having your hand up a cow, I might say, rather Park Avenue. Yeah. She worships James Harriet and what I once said, well, I think the show's a little dated. Oof, she was she was definitely influenced to become a veterinarian herself because of it. And it, it just seems to me that the life you've led as a veterinarian 
not just that you were of a British background, but also that you worked at a farm sanctuary where you had a vet clinic. You've mm-hmm. done a lot with animals of various kinds. It must it must be an interesting shift to something that's so, I guess you could say Guardian Angels is very high tech because they, the, the care and the modern techniques used in figuring out how to produce the healthiest, most vibrant dogs yeah, is at work is. all the time, right? Is there something so unrandom about it? There's something no farmyard about it at all. So it's an interesting shift. In the end, they are pregnant animals and they are animals that have various possible possible illnesses. But it's I, you have all the fancy equipment there too in your own clinic, don't you? That must be quite a toy chest for you to play with. It is. Yeah, it is great. And I, I feel like as you spoke about my, uh, you know, my, um, the past, I've been graduated, uh, for about uh, just over 13 years now. And Hannah actually, um, was working at the university, local university when I was a student there. So Hannah, as you, uh, taught me, uh, when I was just a little, a little vet student back in the day. And, um, now we're full circle back here again. And I, I, but I do feel like the past, 13 years of doing my large animal, mixed animal practice, my repro has really just allowed me to focus on exactly what Carol had in mind here. And um, because I do, I like teaching a lot too. So our potential, uh, our future veterinary technician teaching hospital is going to be here. So uh, it's, it's definitely a big full circle thing that I think that the past 13 years has has got me prepared for this, and this is what uh, what I've uh, what I've come to. And then, especially with the our clinic that we're building here, we've got our own ultrasound uh, equipment now, ability to run blood testing. Uh, we're developing our surgery room here, so the dogs at Guardian Angels are really going to benefit from from the team that we're creating, our vet staff here. And what's it like for you, Hannah, that this woman who you probably, there were many hundreds of vet students who you as a licensed veterinary tech were teaching. Did You would not have any logical reason to think one of them would wind up in partnership with you, I can't imagine. It must have been quite a, a an old home week when, when Dr. Rogers stepped through the door. Definitely. I mean, when she called me and said she was interested in the position, I was like, oh, my gosh, we have the perfect person. I called Carol right away. (laughs) Isn't that something? So you did teaching at the university. I was a technician. I was a technician manager in the surgery department. I I worked in all areas of the hospital, but my last um, 10 years or so, I was in large animals. So. um, Oh, so you had some cows, too. So you're both horses, cows, goats. Yes. Pigs. This is <laughs> this is great. You're back with pet animals, even though the guardian angels dogs aren't are a quite bit more than a pet, but still, right. I mean, size wise, and and they don't live in a barn, so that <laughs> that in itself distinguishes them. Hannah, you're going to also be part of teaching when you get up and running on your teaching hospital there or your teaching school. You'll be, I imagine, you'd be an integral part of that, having already been a teacher. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to that for sure, because I, that when I worked at UF, that was the thing that I think I liked the most was the teaching, you know, teaching the students, teaching 
all the new technicians coming in and things like that. That was, you know, very exciting for me. And she was a, she was a great teacher. She didn't, she uh, didn't make me cry too often. (laughs) It's daunting. (laughs) It's great though, that you're still relatively young, Dr. Rogers, and relatively new to the, to the field so that you can have empathy and compassion for those who will be learning. Cause I imagine a lot of the vets that are my own vets or even friends of mine have been vets for 30 and 40 years. And it must be hard for them to realize just how overwhelming and challenging and scary and daunting it is to be a medical student, whether it's a, a doctor for animals or for humans, it's all really demanding. It's an incredible Absolutely. pressure that you're under, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, you're you hit it the nail right on the head with that. It's very daunting, and having the the your teachers, your professors, your your mentors is that's really what will make or break you. That's what can help shape you into yes. how you're going to be for the rest of your career. And having that's what we want to emphasize emphasize on. Um, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of veterinary technician schools now are online. And so that's what we would like with our on-site technician school in the future, um, having that direct relationship again, you know, face-to-face relationship, a hands-on wet labs and learning. Um, that's, that's really what makes a difference. And I've been part of uh, the local university's um, program where senior veterinary students will come out and do uh, externships with me uh, at the at my farm sanctuary or whether it's whatever aspect of business I'm in at that point uh, then I can teach them for a couple weeks at a time and they get they get graded and so the hands-on part the teaching aspect is definitely something that I love to do, and it's very important. And it's important not just for veterinary technician students, but also for the staff of guardian angels. So whether not everybody is exact directly involved with the veterinary field, they are all part of our our team, our right. of, of these dogs. Yeah, you know, and they're um, also in a way your eyes and ears. I mean, they're handling those dogs every day during their mm-hmm. development and their training. So mm-hmm. they would, they are like the owner who's really tuned into, is the dog different today than yesterday? And a change is obviously an indication of something, not necessarily something dire. I think it's actually quite frightening to me, terrifying, disturbing, that people could become a veterinary technician just by studying online. It requires not only having your hands on animals and knowing how to handle them, but also how to handle the owners. Because even though during COVID, the owners weren't in there, I think, well, good for you. You're handling all these neurotic humans at the same time that you're handling dogs and cats and having to do it well and correctly and support the vet who you're working for. So I guess you could still technically be get accredited. It sort of seems like when people make jokes about, you know, someone got their law degree off the back of a matchbook. In the old days, we used to say that because I guess you could have write-in degrees of some very dubious kind. I guess that's what had to happen during COVID, but I can see continuing education online. But if your primary training is not in an apprenticeship sort of setting, it's it, to me, it seems worrisome that it would not be the quality of 
practitioner that somebody would want to be. Yes, they, they, yes, you're right. Hands-on is extremely important and hands-on. And as you uh, spoke about, you know, being able to deal with the clients, the owners, being able to communicate and have a conversation and mm-hmm. to uh, be able to express to the owners what is going on with the animal in a way that is not going to terrify them, yes. you know, them false hope or, you know, a good prognosis. But even with the online schools, now they do, they do require to have a certain amount of hours that you are in the field. So there's, I don't believe there's just a 100% online, but a good. lot of are, the majority of them are online. They do require some hours in um, working with a veterinarian or with a practice. But uh, what we would like to do is, you know, just have all of it be hands-on from the get-go, just like your regular exactly. college school. And yeah, so then if people want to specialize, if they have an interest in something, we know these students personally. We can, if somebody is has more interest in breeding genetics, we can turn them that way. If somebody has more interest in nutrition, we can allow right. them to focus on that. Um, and there's other aspects. Well, that is obviously in the future, but not in the far future, the near future at the rate that Carol Borden goes, everything is at a fast clip, which is really (laughs) impressive. You ladies are admirable for keeping up with her. And I'm sure you're all racing to the finish line of these really enormous goals that I, I think are a great tribute to her dedication and devotion to these service dogs, but also to the greater community because eventually the clinic will be open to everyone in the community. And won't they be lucky to take advantage of your charming and brilliant help? We have run out of time, but I just want to say to Dr. Charlotte Rogers and to Hannah Dukes, it's really wonderful to meet you. I wish I was closer to Florida because I would be a a fly on the wall and see all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you for everything you're doing for these wonderful German shepherds and the people who benefit from them. You're welcome. Thank you. you. And thank you so much for for being interested and and having us on your show. I I love this show and the the community you reach out to. And and it's great. So it's it's wonderful for other people to understand what what we're doing here and we're we're gonna we're gonna be keeping up with carol's dreams terrific (laughs) take care thanks for listening there are a few more very special companies that make this show possible and i hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate merrick pet care which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.